Hello and welcome to episode number 251 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good man, pretty good. Good, we are back again, back with yet another big cinema horror release, which is very nice indeed. Um, no complaints here. Yeah, unfortunately, kind of this this mini run coming to an end for now, um, but there's still plenty of stuff on the horizon, um, which we'll get to sort of right at the end of the show. Um, but we still get to discuss the latest installment in the Conjuring franchise slash universe. Mm-hmm. Um, we have discussed many of these films for the podcast. We really um, have. I don't know off the top of my head because obviously this is the eighth installment, um, but we'll get to that. We'll see. Like we must have seen at least half of them. I think we've done five point. or six. Yeah, um, but yeah, we will get to that very shortly after a little bit of news this week. Some nice stuff in here actually. Um, so kind of, of course, um, piggybacking off of a quiet place last week. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of talked about last week. There was a bit of confusion how they had announced a quiet place movie, um, but it wasn't part three um so we actually now have an update on that film um in the form of a release date um so coming by way of deadline they have reported that paramount have put an untitled quiet place movie on the calendar for march 31st 2023 um so only a couple of years away um Mm-hmm. This, of course, is the one that they reported on before, where it's Jeff Nichols is writing and directing. Um, it's not a sequel, they said, but it is based on an idea from John Krasinski. Um, so, you know, very, very interesting, I think, because... Uh, and we'll get to some box office numbers shortly, actually. But obviously, these movies make a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. They're universally loved by everyone as well, more importantly. Um, yeah, and- we like them. Yeah, so of course they were going to make more of them. I think it's interesting that okay, so you've so you've now dated a spin-off um in 2 years time. And you know, we had kind of speculated last week with part 2 that it kind of it really really felt like the middle chapter of a trilogy. Yeah. Um and I and I wonder when they're going to announce a part 3 um and then when does it come? Um because it could come yeah. quicker. You know, it could maybe they'll just put this out and then a year later you could have part 3 for example and then it's really not too much of a wait, but I'm curious if it was like another 2 3 years yeah. after this one. That's um, that's my worry that I kind of, you know, I had in my mind, you know, 2 to 3 years for part 3. And so, yeah, if we are in the two-year realm for a spin-off, you know, it it, it kind of feels like, uh, how, you know, it means it's at least three years probably mm. until part three. And it's just like, as much as I love this universe and I'll watch a spin-off, like, I kind of wish that they could get that out a bit sooner and, and you know, focus on part three for in two years' time. But because mm. um, it's... It's a weird one. It's kind of um, the parallels between this and like The Last of Us is is so true to me. Mm. And we spoke about it in the review that like, you know, when there was rumors of, you know, a new Last of Us game and what was it going to be like, I was driven for part two because I wanted more of Ellie and Joel's story. And I think like I'm like that with with Quiet Place now, as much as I love the world um you know these creatures the fact that they can't you know they, they you know they, they hunt with sound and all this cool stuff is like really incredible in the world and the way it looks and everything like give me a spin-off with cool characters and i'm going to be into it but i'm so into the family they're so perfect and the characters are incredible um you know killian murphy's character is incredible so like i just want continuation of of that 
uh, story more than anything else. Um, and as exciting as the world is, I'll be disappointed when I'm watching A Quiet Place and I don't see kind of Emily Blunt pop up straight away. Yeah, and for sure. And I think for me, you know, obviously without going into specifics regarding part two story, but the way that movie ends, mm. we, we said it last week, I think it would be a disservice. And in five years time, I would like part two less if we never had that that um, story picked up. Yeah. And I, I loved part two, but I love it with kind of the feeling like I already know there's going to be another installment. Um, mm. And as of right now, we don't know that. That's not a guarantee. Um, so, yeah, it's it's obviously one for the future. Um, obviously, it's it's great that there's um, more stuff in the pipeline for this because, yeah, they've proven with the first two movies that even though, you know, it's not John Krasinski writing or directing this time, um, based on an idea by John Krasinski, I think is a very interesting kind of tidbit in the story <laughs> because what could that possibly mean like I'm, I'm i'm thinking back to the two movies and is there any kind of like obvious threads there and i haven't really seen much like there's a couple of side characters that they could go into across the the two movies um but not there isn't enough there for me to go immediately go that's where the the spin-off would be so no. yeah interesting for sure um but yeah, next up on the news, um, it's just a very brief update because we have talked about this a lot in the news, um, which is a good old American horror story. Mm. Um, obviously, we've we've been you know away from it for an over a year now, and I and for the first time ever, it has made me miss it because we've not had it, um, and it's just around the corner. And I think we talked about vague dates. And it was coming quicker than before. I think we even talked about potentially the finale airing on Halloween. Mm. So we kind of like gleaned from that when these will be coming. Well, we now have exact premiere dates. So um, kicking things off will be the new um, American Horror Stories, um, which will premiere with two episodes um, on July 15th. So only a month away mm. now. Um, and that's seven, seven episodes. Um, mm. And then that will, it seems like, lead straight into... So kicking uh, off with two stories... Uh, like day one and then weekly after that i believe so yeah. yeah um because they do say it's one hour standalone episode so i'm assuming it's not like creep show where you get two mm. stories in an episode i believe it's two full one hour episodes um is what i'm gleaming from this and then mm -hmm. yeah season 10 of american horror story will premiere august 25th um so yeah it seems like it's only about five or six weeks after that so it makes sense for them to go straight into it um and and that of course would line up with what we'd said before about you know it runs for a couple of months and then ends around halloween week um mm. so either way july 15th you know <laughs> only about five weeks away um and i'm very excited we keep talking about tv and i've said that it's gonna be a big year for tv and we've had great stuff obviously at the start of the year but the last couple of months have been quiet um and so i think getting into july is when like yeah it's gonna be awesome to see two seasons of american horror story potentially um chucky at some point and you know a whole host of other stuff as well that could be just around the corner so just yeah. waiting for that stranger things teaser yeah stranger things like is black mirror gonna go another full year with nothing um mm. there's so and much you know, stuff we'll probably get about three seasons more of creep show yeah and i'm sure walking dead is probably still on at this point who knows um i mean it could be back on for all i know <laughs> yeah because last time you found out like I'm six a, months I'm a, after <laughs> i'm a happier man not knowing it's back on yes we all are um but yeah moving on again to another update about something we talked about a bit of the old rob zombie news um 
And yeah, we kind of did a full breakdown of this a few weeks back. So so listen to that, talking about kind of what was going to be Rob's next project because there was a shit ton of rumours. Um, and at the time we said there's no smoke without fire. And that has since now been confirmed by the great man via Instagram. Um, he, he simply says, attention boils and ghouls. The rumours are true. My next film project will be the one I've been chasing for 20 years, The Monsters. Uh, stay tuned for exciting details as things progress um and it was like a nice image it just said like a rob zombie film the monsters with the logo um so yeah we talked about this a few weeks ago more in depth but it's nice to see it um you know official um Mm -hmm. we still don't know about all the different permutations that we talked about in the rumors because it was heavily rumored to be i believe a peacock exclusive um because they kind of own, I believe, the rights. And it was talked about as being, you know, a way bigger budget for Rob than, than he's mm. ever had. Um, so if all that stuff turns out to be true, and like we said on the show, for me, I have zero expectations of what I want from Rob as a director right now. He made my dream project and he mm. made it, my dream come true. Um, and from that point on, I had no expectations he's, about him he's as a kind director. of back to back coming off like my dream, just random Rob Zombie movie that was mm. incredible. And then my dream Rob Zombie project, like yeah. so, I don't I, like. I just can't imagine after thirty one and free from hell, like what what he can do for me anymore. But yeah, I'm. I, I can't help like I, I want to know what this is more because I, I I don't want Rob like in a non eighteen plus movie, you know. Mm. And and, I, and I'm and I kind of I think that's my biggest trepidation about this whole project is that. I, I know monsters like I have no real fanfare for it. I've I've seen seen it like a, you know like we said before. I I, I kind of know what they look like and that sort of thing. But but um, I don't really want him in like this comedy kind of you know. Is it going to be more of you know the monsters was more of a PG you know is Rob mm. going to you know really go into that world or is he going to make it dark as hell and just you know in in you know title alone i just that's that's my biggest trepidation and that's the thing that i'm most kind of I, I want to see the second i see like something really kind of you know brutal and like in the in the images and stuff i'm like oh okay this is a rob zombie movie and then i'll then i'll start to feel a lot better about things that makes me more fascinated in this project seeing like mm. where this is going to go because yeah the idea of a kind of pg rob zombie Could project seems so bizarre at left field where that that would make it more exciting for me to be like because the one part of this that i'm not excited for and i've said before is i love when rob deals with his own original stuff so the fact that he's once again meddling with an existing ip um to me doesn't equal the best rob zombie results but having said that i have no kind of it's not like halloween that i'm very much aware of like i say i have no kind of pre-existing notion towards the monsters so for that reason like i said i think we said in the rumors if they if if i read the the general concept for this as this kind of comedy horror thing with these group of like universal monsters living together as a family i'm like that sounds like an awesome concept um especially for a rob project so yeah want to hear more from this and also the cast as well as what again the rumored cast um it was all the usual faces kind of uh, jeff daniel phillips and and um sherry were kind of like the two leads um with elvira in there as well and yeah which gives sick. me huge hope for this because yeah. even if it's not bloody um it's still gonna have that rob zombie charm you know and i and i do think him trying to do something a bit more comedy focused i want to see what that turns out like it might not be good but i want to i want to see it um i want to see it through um so yeah i'm looking forward to it and then uh yeah lastly um 
on the news, I want to talk about some box office numbers because we've not got mm-hmm. to talk about this for about 18 months. <laughs> it's your favorite. And, yeah, and I like it. And for people that don't, um, obviously, we'll be discussing The Conjuring very shortly. Um, but, you know, it does matter um, if you don't care. Um, if you're just like us and you just live, for instance, in the UK, um, which is a very small market and you just want to see new horror films, this does directly affect you because these movies only come out if they're going to make money. It's literally as simple as that. Um, and so that's why for me, I'm always looking at numbers in US and China, um, because that will determine when we get to see these movies. Um, so kind of, uh, piggybacking off of that. Yeah. Obviously quite, uh, quiet place. Um, number one movie in North America last week. Um, people had kind of speculated, obviously with The Conjuring getting its full release, would A Quiet Place been able to hang on to the number one spot? Um, because people were kind of touting The Conjuring of having a smaller opening than it actually ended up having. Um, mm. So The Conjuring did end up being number one. Um, so some of the figures here, kind of The Conjuring made uh, $24 million um, this weekend, just in the States. Um it has already made 33 million overseas because i believe certain markets for instance like us it was already out for over a week um so it's actually already made 57 million overall which is very respectable um and then yeah as far as a quiet place there was a a steeper drop off for a week two there than they were anticipating um which i believe was 59 percent but a lot of people are saying that this is going to be a trend going forward for the foreseeable future because the people that are going to see movies right now are the hardcore audience they're going to see movies week one there's going to be a steeper drop off that's just the way it is um and so yeah like conjuring has done better than they anticipated week one but it's probably going to have a massive drop off in week two um but it's still great news obviously um a quiet place part two did pick up uh, 19 million still in its second week just in the states um it's two week domestic total stands at 88 million dollars um just in the united states alone um which is really good um it's already pulled an additional 50 million um worldwide so it's overall worldwide total is already 140 million dollars like this is really really good not only for horror movies but again you know taking the pandemic into consideration um it also notes here, this is all via um, Box Office Mojo, that kind of it's A Quiet Place Part 2 is on track to beat Godzilla vs. Kong and become the first movie since the pandemic started to surpass 100 million just in North America alone. Um, which it was funny because I actually I looked this up and Godzilla vs. Kong is at 99 million right now. <laughs> so I'm like, OK, I'm assuming they're both going to hit it um, in the next week or so. Um, yeah. But it's still great news. So, yeah, both these these two movies that we've discussed, obviously, last week and what we're about to doing super well at the box office um very briefly corella is doing super well as well it's already made a uh, 87 million obviously um it's on disney plus mm-hmm. um so we don't know how much they're making off that also worth noting um the conjuring is part of the warner bros hbo max deal oh, so yeah. it was the number one movie in north america but you can see it at home um as opposed to a quiet place which you know in the states you can only see in the cinema um mm-hmm. for the first 45 days and then it'll be on paramount plus so these are good box office figures but they aren't the only revenue for these movies which is very important to take reference to um i also want to throw in here spiral because obviously it's been out longer (laughs) than these two movies yeah well i wanted to bring this up because no one's really talking about it and uh, the numbers are dog shit um so (laughs) it made 21 million in the states it made eight and a half million um 
sort of outside of the states and so for a grand total of 30 million right now um this movie's been out about a month um mm. so it's pretty much seen all its revenue we, we i haven't talked about it but it, it did just kind of randomly shadow drop on demand in the last week as well so way quicker than anyone was anticipated yeah. with no kind of like announcement prior it was just like you can watch it on amazon right now for 20 dollars um <laughs> yeah so they are trying to scrape every penny from that um again that's obviously you know um the conjuring has already made double that and it's been out way less time um so and it's very poor to compare that so again pre-pandemic i know it's different but jigsaw at the time was deemed not a success for the saw franchise Mm -hmm. that made a hundred million um so spiral is going to get nowhere near that nowhere near it's i i I have to imagine lines get taking a loss on this one um yeah you know, yeah, getting Chris they're, they're Rock, getting, getting yeah, getting Samuel L. Jackson in there. Um, oh yeah, they're never making fifty. And mm. yeah, it's. Uh, I'm curious because, like I say, these franchises they never die. They always find new and cheaper ways to bring them back. But like, this is a huge hit for the Saw franchise, and mm. I think it goes with what I was saying before. This reminds me of like, okay what do we do now we don't take another risk on the cinema we do try and bring it to tv and like what the hell that looks like because it could be great or it could be terrible um <laughs> but we shall see and then lastly i just want to throw this one in here as like quite a funny one before we obviously move on to the conjuring um the next big movie obviously that comes out in june is fast and the furious nine it's like the biggest movie by far to come out since the pandemic stuff mm. um and it's what's interesting is so it comes out june 25th i believe in north america and i think in the uk as well but it's already been out overseas in the asian markets for three weeks um it has made 256 million dollars yes just in the asian markets um which again is great news for everyone because it means cinema is alive right now and they will not be closing cinemas when they are making this much damn money um Mm -hmm. and also they won't be you know um the production companies won't be pulling release dates either so um yeah can't wait to see what this one does like obviously it's right now these horror movies are doing incredibly well um but yeah all these numbers are about to be you know completely blown out of the water next month um or in a couple of weeks of fast and furious but yeah, yeah it's it's awesome to see i, man. I like, completely forgot that movie was coming out so soon yeah it is really mm. only like the big one really because like it, it mm. is quiet for a few weeks now and then this comes out and then obviously we get like black widow in july which again black widow is a weird one because it's on disney plus whereas fast and furious is like a great um one to gauge yeah, box be office on yeah because it's only if you want to see the new fast and furious movie you only have one option so mm-hmm. um but yeah great news i love talking about these things and obviously we're talking about horror as well obviously spiral was a misfire um but the other two are actually killing it so and obviously with a quiet place we already discussed how much we love that movie so it's great to see that it's making money um but For shall sure. we talk about the other film let's do it let's talk about the conjuring the devil made me do it So yeah, as we kind of said at the start of the show, um, even though this is only the third Conjuring movie, um, there has been a lot of these movies. Um, oh, the Conjuring universe and our podcast. What a, yeah. what a journey it's been. I would say a love-hate relationship. But it really is. I feel like that's being too kind. <laughs> because there has been the love. Um, obviously, yeah. the first one 
we covered for the show back in 2016 when we were just uh, fresh little boys doing yeah. this um, was The Conjuring 2, which um, to me is still the strong point, um, you know, mm. up until this point, clearly. Um, it, it's interesting. Like, I want to get your take on it because um, there seems to be a lot of debate surrounding the first two Conjuring movies. And I get that, obviously, the first one kind of created this all and really came out of nowhere. But for me personally, it's no contest. I love The Conjuring 2 a lot more than I love The Conjuring. What's your take on that whole debate? Yeah, I think I like The Conjuring 1 more than you. Interesting. But, but two, 2 is still my pick. Oh, okay, right. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I like Conjuring 1 more. It's closer to 2. I think, you know, 2 is head and shoulders for you. But yeah, it's it's still 2 for me. Obviously, I'm a sucker for the English setting, and I love mm. that. And I love the family more in 2. And I love the the Warrens and their kind of interaction with the family more in two. Whereas kind of one, they get haunted for quite a while and then the Warrens show up. And I think kind of, um, you know, as we get into uh, this third Conjure movie um, and, and as we've gone through all of these, the, the whole franchise, I think the Warrens are the absolute strongest part of this franchise. And when mm. I mean, when I say the Warrens, I mean Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga because... Yeah. They are both incredible um, actors and and kind of um, just really do uh, bring up the quality of the franchise whenever they're on screen. For for as little as they're on screen, they're incredible. They are some of the strongest kind of characters we've ever seen in any horror franchise at this point. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, so that, as well. Yeah, and I think that's why that with with and I, and I think the best of the Warrens is in part two. Mm. So you know that that's why it's you know yeah it is my favorite as well. I think you know the the both both Conjuring one and two I found very scary. Mm. Um, but again, two had the nod. Um, but 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 I I didn't see one at the cinema. You know, so I think mm. that's also part of it that I just remember that cinema experience for two and being like, oh shit, no, these movies are scary. Yeah, like, um, and then and then kind of having to watch many other sequels where I didn't feel <laughs> that way. Um, yeah, well, it's weird now talking right now about obviously the third Conjuring movie because mm. we can't deny that we've seen. You know, this is the sixth one now that we've covered for the show. So we mm. kind of started with Conjuring Two. We're now going to talk about the Conjuring Three, but in the middle of that, there were you know four spin-offs that we've talked about um, on mm. the podcast, and at times they have felt like a chore, and the, and at times they've been pretty atrocious. Um, you know, they've kind of ranged from I think the last Annabelle movie, Annabelle Comes Home, um, which came out a couple of years. Yeah, back. that was the that one was, that surprised us. Yeah, that was decent. You know, it did have a little bit of the Warrens in there, which obviously helped. But I thought overall it had a decent story and some good scares in there um but again at that point it was the third annabelle movie and i really didn't like the first two um let alone like the nun which had like interesting setup i like the setting obviously i love that character in the conjuring too but just the movie didn't work for me um no the best parts of the nun are still in conjuring too definitely um and then like the curse of ladabrona is easily one of my least favorite movies i've ever paid money to see on the big screen like it just it felt like a complete and a waste of time from like minute one and it's worth noting because we're going to talk about it now and compare but the same director as this movie yeah, um, i was gonna say it bodes well for this one yeah well and, and again we'll get obviously into it a bit more but it blows me away because like i never would have assumed that like they, no. they just feel so different but yeah. we'll get into it more with this movie um so yeah kind of what is this movie about why is it called the devil made me do it rather than the conjuring free 
because they can't slap a number three on the eighth <laughs> Gondrin movie at this point. Yeah, true. Because um, it feels weird. Um, <laughs> so numbers become irrelevant. Mm. Or, um, yeah, so this one is a um, strange, yeah, strange concept for a horror movie because um, we join the Warrens kind of... At the beginning of the movie, we, we see the horn in, we see a very... The opening scene of this movie is extremely reminiscent of The Exorcist. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of, uh, you know, it, it's clearly a, a giant homage to The Exorcist. Um, there's no question about that. Um, and then kind of as you then go into, um, yeah, what happens in the aftermath, uh, the Warrens are basically hired to, uh, um, try to prove a man's innocence for murder. Um, and they're trying to prove for the first time in a court of law that, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the defense is that he was possessed by a demon and wasn't in control of his actions. And, uh, Therefore, you know, he is facing the death penalty and they are trying to avoid the death penalty by trying to prove the existence, um, mm. which uh, there was a great line by, from uh, Ed Warren in this kind of early on where he Yeah, I believe says, that's the line know, in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. I haven't yeah. really seen the trailer. I've shied away from the trailer. But yeah, kind of, um, you know, the the kind of every time uh, there's, a, there's a case, you know, that they, they swear on the Bible and they, they kind of assume the assistance of uh, the existence of god it's about time they they kind of uh, you know um accept the existence of the devil and mm. I, I thought that was a real great line and it's kind of the whole kind of um genesis of this movie is where it's at and we kind of then pick the warrens up on the trail of what this possession was because it's very clearly not a normal possession mm. and um it's kind of through a series of a few flashbacks and then kind of a lot of them, you know, kind of doing some detective work and, and, and kind of, you know, snooping around and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, so it's a very different movie to kind of the normal Conjuring movie where it's like, okay, family has a possession or has a demonic presence. The Warrens are coming in to get rid of it. It's like, no, that has already happened. And kind of that ship has sailed. Obviously mm. we do get, stuff throughout the movie but it's the warrens actually kind of like i say doing this police work as such and you know there's there's real stakes for this person's life but not in a demonic possession way is <laughs> in the uh the lethal injection is coming their way if if they don't kind of you know prove they're in it prove this guy's innocence mm. um so it's definitely a different spin on it and um you know that it, that in itself causes this to be a very different movie to to anything in the Conjuring universe, and very different from the first two Conjuring movies as well. Yeah. And having kind of, I like I say, I pretty much shied away from the trailer, and kind of um, didn't necessarily know fully going in what this was going to be. So as it started to unravel, I was a little bit like, oh, okay, this is this is very different to what I was expecting. Um, but yeah, and, and then hence why the title "The Devil Made Me Do It." Uh, that is basically the defense plea of mm. uh, of this whole court case. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I think I think that's kind of the plot in a nutshell. Really, um, we get introduced. I think it's the, is it the Glatzel or something like that? Glazel, yeah. Glatzel, Glatzel family. Yeah. Um, we get introduced to those and kind of the the kids. 
uh, Julian Hillard we've seen in quite a few things. And I just got to say, I feel I feel sorry for this kid. Yeah, is he the kid from Hill House? Yeah, yeah, Hill House, yeah. and he's in One Division. Oh yeah, and and I'm just like uh, I won't I won't go into what he is in One Division, but but poor kid doesn't have a good break in in anything he's been in really. I love and... how in Hill House they found these this kid cast, and the Conjuring yeah. universe has just stolen all of them because we had the girl from it in in one of the Annabelle movies as well. well of and course, it's just... because it's like the best version of Conjuring is Hill House. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And they found the best, like, scared kid actors of all time. So they're like, well, yeah. we're just going to put them in our movie. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I just feel sorry for this kid because he's just constantly, like, terrified in the movies he does. Like, yeah. I really want him just to be in, like, a, a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that aside, um, we do also kind of get an appearance from uh, John Noble in this movie, which I didn't know he was in it at all. And it was a it was a awesome kind of uh, appearance from him. Uh you know, been in a ton of stuff over the years, kind of for us most known from being in Lord of the Rings. But um, mm. uh, he was also kind of heavily in Fringe, which was a show that I loved. Um, and yeah, just been in a ton of stuff over the years. And I always like him when he come when he pops up. So yeah, I was pretty happy to see him pop up. Yeah, he's and, one of those um, guys that like I see his face and I immediately like, oh, I've seen him in so much stuff, but it's hard to remember exactly what they all are. But yeah, he's just one of those guys that's been around for so long. Yeah, I think because he's 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 been in like video games and stuff, so that's yeah. why we kind of like um, uh, recognize him even more. Mm. But um, but yeah, like for, for me, it's Fringe and, and Lord of the Rings that I recognize him from the most. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so he's awesome. He plays a priest, and kind of we, we get a lot of kind of you know him him as the movie progresses. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the the synopsis in a nutshell. Yeah, um, th- this was a really interesting movie for me. I, I found it to be um, quite a pleasant surprise, really. Like I-, I was similar to you, where I had seen the trailer, but I I didn't really have any expectations. You know, again, loved the Conjuring two. But it kind of, I, I wasn't even thinking about that as a headspace because obviously no. there's no James Wan and we've known that for years. Yeah, um, I was going to say, there's a certain missing piece to the puzzle and it's mm. the, it's a giant, very important piece and that's James Wan. So kind of even with, you know, the, the two actors in this still, it, it, it really does take it down a notch in my excitement level knowing that, that James Wan's not, not attached. A hundred percent. And especially during like all of the production and hearing about this, we were hearing about James Wan making Malignant. So it was always a case of any excitement that you would have for James Wan would immediately go to his actual project. And even though he does have his hand still in the franchise, um, you know, he has a story credit for this um, as well as obviously being a producer. So he is he is involved. um, And I do believe he picked the director as well. I could be wrong. But obviously with... um, you know michael chavez making curse of letter Rona, and that has a whole weird story where like it didn't start as a conjurer movie they like added these easter eggs i've seen quotes in the last week where they're saying it's not part of the conjuring universe which i don't even want to get into that because obviously it is but it's just i don't know why they're saying this dumb stuff um mm. I, i'm assuming they want to just write it off because it's such a terrible movie um mm. but but obviously yeah he picked him for it and so like he's been involved in it but um yeah, actually sitting down to watch it, I had no idea what to expect. And I think no. kind of, you know, you kick things off, the movie starts, it's kind of what you expect. Like, okay, there's a, there's a possessed kid. Um, th- then we get the weird bit, like you say, regarding The Exorcist, which was very weird for me, I have to say. Very strange. Um, because... I, you know, we remember in The Conjuring 2, they kind of have the opening movie, which is like Amityville, Mm. and they almost do like their quasi little remake of Amityville at the start Mm. of the movie. And so I was kind of like, 
oh, oh okay, they're, they're aping The Exorcist now. Like, is this going to be like, you know, Regan? Is this going to be their little yeah. version of it where she's going to be being sick and like shouting all this stuff with a cross? But it's it's none of that. It's It's got nothing to do with The Exorcist other than like they literally use the two most iconic shots from mm. The Exorcist. Like you look out of the window, you look down on the street and you see the taxi arrive and then you see him get out of the taxi with the camera behind him, the silhouette like under the streetlight, like it's identical to The Exorcist. Well, the thing that's hilarious is the streetlight isn't there initially because he is in daylight during this yeah, and then yeah. the camera pans to like reveal the streetlight and i just imagine <laughs> if we were in like a active cinema people would be like yeah like this is when it when the streetlight appears it was like it just felt so strange yeah, well, to me, it was it was off-putting because I think having mm. now seen the movie and, and seen it all in context, I'm like, oh, OK, it was clearly just a homage. You know, it was clearly yeah. just him paying, you know, you know, respect to clearly something that they like. But in the moment, it threw me for a loop. It went past yeah. homage and more. What are you trying to tell me here regarding the story? And then it took me a good five or ten minutes to get that out of my head that it didn't actually matter with mm. this movie. Again, especially with the Amityville stuff in Conjuring 2. So that was a weird choice. There's also mm. another again, it, it makes me more sense later on this is super late on but there's clearly again stuff to do with the shining mm. in this movie and yeah. and, that, and that comes out of nowhere and is very weird again because you're like i don't understand what you're doing here i get that you want to pay homage to these movies that you like but like to me it was really distracting watching a conjuring movie and seeing these two sequences that seem like they were just straight up you know, don't not rip-offs, because they're clearly homages, but, think, like, it didn't add anything to the movie for me. No, I think there's two things with homages. Like, first of all, if it's in a very low-budget kind of indie project, it kind of feels like, you know, the director kind of, you know, given that kind of homage to saying, like, this is where it's coming from and everything else. And because it's a smaller project, it kind of feels more right. But also, it's how you do it, you know, and it needs to be more of, like, a nod and kind of like a smaller moment but when it you know the, the the shining stuff was closer to that but was still i mean only closer to that because of how <laughs> the exorcist one is literally shot for shot yeah um, yeah and and it is just like it gets it takes you out of it because yeah you, you're literally like well this is this is the exorcist this is now the shining and it, and, and and it kind of it spanned past homage to distracting in both instances for sure yeah it was just a very weird choice mm. um but yeah then we actually get the opening scene and it's kind of like it's batshit immediately it's mm. it's dialed up to 100 it's no kind of like long drawn out 10 sequences it's just go 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 action 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 i was like okay this is like a way different pace than i was expecting for this movie um and that does that is kind of like a theme to the movie and it's one thing that does remind me slightly of what we talked about last week where again like you know they're in a very different instance obviously because mm. there's only one quiet place movie and obviously they well, have yeah. reached better heights but like it was that classic sequel of wanting to you know step it up a gear and this was very much like okay not only are you making the third conjuring movie you're making the eighth installment in this franchise <laughs> like people don't want to see a 10 minute drawn out sequence at the start they want to just see the crazy shit happen so i was kind of mm. like okay i'm kind of down for this and yeah the opening scene was like okay um and then once we get really into it um yeah like it was i liked a lot about this movie i i don't think it kind of reinvents the franchise um but i thought it was enough of a departure to keep me thoroughly entertained and i think it's what you touched upon that they kind of they really took this in a different direction in terms of the formula for a conjuring mm. movie and kind of like our 
or at least mine, I believe yours as well, kind of like two biggest issues with the franchise was the main thing that we've talked about time and time again was the boring as hell day and night cycle, mm-hmm. um, mostly set in one location, you know, a haunted house. And it's kind of like, OK, in the day we're reacting to the things that happened at night yeah. and then at night shit's going to happen. Spooky shit. Yeah. And, and it's even just... Conjuring 2 has that trope. Definitely. 100 percent. Yeah. And it's just it's anchored by like amazing characters and story and performance and all that stuff. Whereas, yeah, like it's, you know, and also that came out five years ago, um, mm. whereas we're in a different place now. You can't do that again. And so I think, yeah, I was super happy to see the Warrens moving around. They are going to different places. It's almost like a road movie at times where they are, you know, going across the states, trying to get these clues to solve this case and to help this trial. Um, and I just love that pace to the movie mm. and, and the kind of like all the stuff with the Warrens I thought was just so well done. Um the other issue with the franchise that we've talked about again is lack of stakes slash lack of deaths and i think that is kind of again so many of these movies like the annabelle movies has has six characters they're going to get haunted by this doll it's going to mess around with them until eventually it seems like it's trying to kill them in the finale and then they they succeed in defeating it and no one dies Mm. whereas i think this movie immediately has you know it has a body count it must have the biggest body count out of all these movies um characters do die in kind of interesting ways um and i was thankful for that like i knew the setup so i knew that kind of it was a person on trial for murder mm-hmm. so i already knew like oh, okay there's going to be at least one death there in will there, be a there murder. Was, yeah which was already a plus because i swear some of these movies literally have no deaths mm-hmm. um but the fact that it did have other characters that were, that were dying as well like i was like oh, okay this is like really cool so yeah to me it added a sense of stakes because even though you know you have the warrens and you have like your lead characters that obviously feel untouchable it at least adds a little bit of tension and a little bit of drama to be like Mm. well actually shit's going down like something might just happen out of nowhere so that's another thing that they've clearly addressed which i'm very thankful for um yeah that you know it's not a perfect movie i think it's probably too long um you know there's there's certain sequences that i feel like draw you know go on and on and especially Mm. because and we'll get more into the meat of the story because i want to get your take on it but when you find out about like the actual antagonist of this movie i was left with so many questions about who they were what their motivation was and the movie does spend quite a lot of time on it but i don't know about you but i was like especially in the finale when there was like certain revelations that the warrens were kind of like you know revealing on screen Mm. um i was like oh was i supposed to think that was a theme in this movie because i didn't get that at all i just thought she was a you know a crazy woman doing crazy things or i shouldn't even say Mm. woman that's a minor spoiler um (laughs) but yeah it kind of like i don't i don't know what did you i guess i want to get your take overall on the movie as well obviously but what did you make specifically of the antagonist like did their motivations make sense to you by the end of it not not fully i think the problem is is that the antagonist is kind of cloaked for most of the movie Mm. we don't really see them so we get a lot of information about them, but because we don't get to see them and see their character, we really just don't get a sense of motivation. We just get told a lot of things about them. Mm. And then and then they kind of appear on screen very briefly at the end. And then obviously it's suddenly, you know, the final battle. And it's just kind of like, you know, so so you just don't really get a lot of time with the character. You just know a lot about them. And I think that's why, yeah, I, I you know, they were... They were fine. I liked it as a different thing, you mm. know. Uh, you know, you, you've you've already touched upon it, but the fact that you know, it, you know, it's a person. You know, we we it's not just um, 
not just ghost random ghost in a house yeah yeah it's like oh no there's a tangible bad guy that like we need to we need to focus on and, and try to stop and it was like oh that's quite interesting and quite fun and like and like you said it, it kind of going into my thoughts on the movie i think it does um you know it does help raise those stakes that you know you do think well people are going to die and the warrens are kind of got this real life presence that's after them and um i think that also kind of makes daytime more dangerous mm-hmm. um which is which is good um i think yeah for me overall i i like the movie i think kind of um i, I think it's weird how this movie's been sandwiched because i think like coming off coming out of spiral like anything that's good i would lap up and be like oh please <laughs> thank you but then after seeing one of the best movies we've seen in like two years at the cinema i'm like oh, okay like yeah so this was this was a good movie but you know i want to go see quiet place again yeah it's very but... hard but we have to do our best to like block out last week because correct but but i think that's why you know it is difficult but i think yeah i, I enjoyed it i think i had a good time with it i think you know like I said, the strengths are the Warrens um, throughout the franchise and continue in this movie. They are the rock of this movie. Um, I think um, I, I enjoyed the different pace. I think, uh, you know, it, it, it's good that it's something different. It's not the traditional haunting. Like you say, you get it turned up to 10 straight away and then you get this very different movie. I think um, my... I think one of my biggest criticisms for this movie is it's almost not scary at all. Um, and that's not, you know, it's not this like, oh, I'm not scared by it. It's just not really trying to be scary no. in the first hour. It's just kind of, which is a breakaway from these movies. And, and in particular, the, the, the Conjuring two movies. You know, like I say, I, I think those two movies are terrifying. And I think on a big screen, they are very scary. And I think with this one, it's only... The only time that I started to feel tense and scared was when they got into a morgue, which was kind of like over an hour into the movie. And I think mm. the morgue scene was was really good and, and quite tense as well. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed that scene quite a bit. Um, and, and you get a lot in that scene as well. I think it was probably my favorite scene in the movie um, because you get kind of a lot of you get the reveal, you get kind of some face-to-face with the antagonist, kind of, and then you get this kind of real scary kind of conclusion as well. So I, I enjoyed that scene quite a bit. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, and so, yeah, overall, I had a real good time. I think kind of, you know, last week's movie aside, looking at this movie and looking at this movie in the Conjuring universe, I think it's, you know, it's firmly you know, better than pretty much all of the spin-offs. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's it's probably not as good as one for me and it's certainly not as good as two, but, but, but it's still a very good movie and an enjoyable one. And I think kind of, you know, going into it, seeing that the director of La Lorna was the director of this was like, like, I don't know. And, um, you know, he, he's done a real good job with this one. I think, um, I find myself kind of when I'm watching these movies as well, kind of getting distracted by the warrens to a point because you get especially in the end credits i found myself walking out of the cinema feeling conflicted because because <laughs> in the end credits you get to see real life warrens yeah and obviously like i'm i'm i i know zero about real life warrens really apart from like the little snippets i get from conjuring movies and and the odd like article and and kind of twitter comment that i see but like you know it seems like the conjuring universe of the warrens paints a very different picture in particular of um uh 
um oh god i was going to call her vera it's not vera vera's vera for me uh, lorraine lorraine yeah. um uh lorraine warren seems very different from kind of vera's character um but but you know and and i, and I do kind of find it weird that that you know these this cinematic you know spectacle that's clearly you know just this crazy over the top thing and in particular i mean this one was probably more grounded than most of the conjuring movies as well um probably the most grounded since the first conjuring because when you think of some of the characters you see in the conjuring 2 mm. it's very over the top and obviously the spin-offs are crazy over the top yeah um, so this I know what you're is saying, yeah. you know probably the most grounded in like oh, okay if if hauntings and exorcisms and all that stuff is you know real this is like close to a cinematic version of that um you know and and i think kind of but but yeah the, the way the warrens are portrayed is just like this you know i love them in the cinematic universe that they're they're like this loving couple that are just like always trying to do their best for everyone and kind of you know have all these morals and like at their core like that that really does get ham-fisted to you it does in the conjuring too and it does in this as well like the kind of their love as a couple and kind of like you know we get this incredibly cheesy flashback in this movie of them kind of when they first met and you know their love is kind of like a real through point of the the conjuring cinematic universe and it's kind of like yeah then i see like you know these kind of little bits about what the warrens are and i'm like oh part of me really wants to like delve into it and 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 find out more but then part of me doesn't because i want to like the the cinematic versions of them which i do <laughs> yeah i completely agree i wouldn't ever want to look it up because i'm too no. worried and i agree with you like i completely view them as like the fictional characters the yeah. warrens in the conjuring movies because yeah i love these characters these characters you know mm. i think they are amazingly obviously performed by these two incredible actors um but they yeah i love everything about them in these movies and they are so fantastic and yeah it is a bit jarring when you've just spent two hours with you know these with to me fictional characters on screen and then they show you the kind of archive footage and yeah. and their own you know there's little moments like little still images where they kind of compare the two where it's like mm. oh look here's what you just saw on screen and here's like the real life version and it's it's extremely jarring and i think um it brings me to a point i wanted to make about something that i found disappointing about the movie but which ultimately funny enough led to something i really liked <laughs> which was the setting of this movie um this case this whole devil made me do it is you know it's the first like 20 minutes of the movie and we have like arnie and we're introduced to him and his mm. girlfriend and i was like super vibing with all that like i was really interested intrigued yeah. um and really liked these two characters and then once the shit happens um and he's on trial and then it's left for the warrens to kind of like work out what's going on do you know detective style he basically disappears from the movie and mm. like uh, you get a couple of little moments where they they felt the need to insert him to remind us like oh by the way he's still in this movie but they go off on this whole last adventure on their own and they're the ones that are experiencing most of the scares um mm. 
And ultimately, yeah, I find it disappointing because I feel like at this point it's it's completely pointless, even even like um, having these based upon real cases. Yeah. And so to me, that's a disappointment. But having seen the movie, that's why it led to something I really enjoyed, which was the Warrens were the main one and they were the main focus for the first time in all of these movies. Mm. Like they were the ones being directly haunted by the main antagonist. It wasn't them trying to scully yeah like they weren't <laughs> trying to help someone else in the grand scheme of things they were because they were trying to help arnie but in the moment to moment they were just trying to help themselves in terms mm. of protect themselves you know because they were in very serious threats and of course they have been in threatening situations before but it's always via a third party and mm. i found it to be an interesting case that the entire trial has that amazing quote that you referenced it's all about you know, it's a very famous trial as well yeah and all the marketing with the title you know the post that says the demonic case that shocked america like mm. that's the tagline and you go into the movie and then within 20 minutes your main character which you think is going to be your main character arnie is sitting in a jail cell for the rest of the movie and then they're going off on this awesome wacky completely fictional adventure which i really enjoyed and then the movie goes oh shit we need to somehow tie it together to this real life event and mm. again I, I don't want to talk spoilers because it's not really a spoiler but like um there was a weird moment i had when the movie had clearly come to its conclusion and i was sitting there in the cinema thinking what on earth are they gonna do because i know how the story ended in real life um and i was like how are they gonna tie these two things together and did you find that jarring the way they again i know this is vague like slightly spoilery but we're not really talking about the movie here but like the way they just kind of wrap it up very quickly <laughs> like the trial is almost forgotten about isn't it and in the last yeah. five minutes like oh quick here's the resolution the movie's over well i think the thing is is that like i was i was interested like you say in the first 20 minutes i was thinking oh we're gonna get the warrens in a courtroom yeah like talking about stuff and seeing like the jury and yeah like i guess yeah, like, i was completely with you i thought that was going to be the narrative device mm. of this movie was going to be a trial like, yeah and they would be saying stuff and then there'd be flashbacks and mm. that sort of stuff and maybe stuff's happening to him as the trial's ongoing but yeah like yeah mild spoilers like we we really don't get the trial like we basically get them assembling the case and that's what yeah. we see and then the the final part of the movie is what what the outcome of the trial is and everything else and i mm. think kind of yeah, it, it's very strange. I just think, like, the whole, um, you know, when you actually look at The Conjuring 3 movies, it's very strange that it's, like, so focused on these real-life things. And then you've got kind of, you know, you think of that last animal movie <laughs> and how kind of, what the hell was that creature that was wandering around outside and all this crazy stuff? And, like, mm. we have to believe that, like, these two are in the same worlds together. Mm. And it's just, it's, it's very, it's a very strange kind of franchise. Well, even um, just this movie in a microcosm, the idea that this person, you know, the basic setup that everyone knows is like he committed a murder. They're saying he was possessed and that's the mm. trial. And then like the idea that the real life Warrens went off on this mental globe trotting America adventure where they were like <laughs> in so much peril. And then that somehow concludes with the, with the actual trial where it all started. Like, again, that's my point with this is that, yeah. I don't think it made any sense in this well, movie, and, and I the other, wish they didn't actually base it on real life stuff I think anymore. The other thing is, as well, is that um, the whole, uh, you know, they needed a MacGuffin because mm. um, when 
when we got to like the 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 action conclusion of this movie, I'm like, okay, they've they've still proven jack shit to a yeah. jury. Like <laughs> yeah. they're basically just saying, well, that person was evil and that person was possessed, and you know, th- this this is a demon, and and it's just like, well, that's where they were at the start of the movie. It's happened to them again. We've seen it as an audience member. The jury hasn't seen it. It's mm. still just going to be the Warrens and a few more people being like, yeah some glass shattered and like scary stuff happened and then people died and yeah, it was strange, mm. weren't it? You know I mean? I don't really understand how that's well, your case. And you that does, I mean? that does make sense when you think of it in the grand scheme of things yeah. because uh, of how, of what happened in the trial. But, um, I was I, in my moment. So in that weird moment when the movie comes to a weird conclusion and then I remembered there was a trial, my immediate thought was, Oh shit, they're going to clearly once upon a holy time in Hollywood, this, and right, they're gonna yeah. like, and they're gonna act retroactively change what happened in real life. So, that would have been funny. yeah, that was a weird choice. But I, I do feel like I'm harping on something that, yeah, ultimately I thought helped the movie um, <laughs> because overall I was thoroughly entertained by this movie because it was just the Warrens doing mm-hmm. cool shit, um, and that's what I'll take from the movie. Like, even though yes, I thought the um, the setup the setup in the movie so strong because I, like I said I really liked Arnie and his relationship mm-hmm. with his girlfriend and I thought there was a real like heart to that yeah. and I found it bizarre to then go off so again like I'm I'm torn with this because I really I did enjoy this movie quite a bit like you say and I was thoroughly entertained by it but there are certain things that when I really look at it critically I'm like they could have the made movie. a better movie just just focused on Arnie really um, yeah I think I'm so in the got movie. a Warren movie instead yeah it does such a good job of giving you these characters where you really feel the emotion because Mm. obviously we know the Warrens and, you know, we know the emotion that I've spoke about, but we still see that a lot in this movie and you do feel it. But then, yeah, with, with the new characters kind of, you know, with Arnie and his girlfriend, like you really do feel their, their love and this kind of, you know, bond that they have and kind of Arnie with the family as well, with the little boy and kind of all of that stuff. Like you really, you know, you really feel it. And, and I think kind of, um, you know, you, you got that in Conjuring too. The family felt like a real family. And I think this is the same. And like, I would have been, I would have been more than happy having, you know, the, the Glatzel family and kind of them being haunted with the Warrens there. And then, yeah, ultimately I didn't get that. And I got more of the people that I wanted, but then, yeah, part of me was like, Oh, you've actually given a good family. Like, I've mm. seen Annabelle movies where all the characters sucked and yeah. I didn't get Warrens either. And mm. I think that's the bit that kind of frustrates me Definitely. where I'm like, oh, this one had great characters throughout. And yeah, we got to see the best ones. But yeah, and I think that's the bit that's strange. The other thing that, again, like not to harp on weird things, but the, the Warren's daughter confuses the hell out of me in these movies because I think we said it like when we watched one of the other movies, like f- for a couple that loves each other as deeply and as crazy <laughs> as they do, they give zero fucks about their daughter. I know, it is funny. And it really doesn't make sense. When the movie starts, I'm like, oh yeah, they have children. <laughs> yeah, and like, they, like, because I think she's in it, but she looks a lot like the, um, uh, uh, Arnie's girlfriend. Yeah. And so, because there were times when we were at the Warren's house and they had like their investigator guy as well. And I'm like, is that Arnie's girlfriend or is that their daughter? <laughs> and I gen, I'm, and I'm not joking. Like, I genuinely didn't know. 
online. Yeah, well, looking at the, the the wiki, she is she has been in all three Conjurer movies playing their daughter. But I agree with you that she is such a. I mean, she's not even a character. Like, she probably yeah. has two lines of dialogue. In yeah, the whole exactly. Film. There's no disrespect to the the actress. It's just no. like she she has no character. And then because there are other characters that look similar, it's just very confusing. And I'm like. When there were like scenes when when I was like, so I think this is their daughter now. And then like, obviously, like we said, the Warrens have kind of got this, um, you know, real life danger. And and for the first time, kind of real life kind of um, danger towards them directly. And their daughter's just kind of like completely fine throughout all this. Like just just kind of, you know, just an absolute passenger to it all. And I'm just kind of like, it just, yeah, I got to like three quarters through the movie and I was like, this is just, you know, the whole daughter thing is just so weird. And especially when you get like a 10 minute scene with the Warrens telling them how much they love each other. Mm. And then then they're just like, oh yeah, we had a kid, but she she sucks. I really feel (laughs) like that's another one of those things that where we're, I think one of the main overall points we're making here is that there is a massive disconnect between Mm. the Warrens in real life and the Warrens that they've created in this franchise. And I think this is a key example of that where... Mm. They had to put a daughter in there because they have a daughter. You yeah. know, they couldn't just say, "Well, we're just we're just a, a childless couple who very much love each other." Whereas, if you were writing these as original fictional yeah. characters, yeah, that's exactly what you would do. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't just randomly have a kid because then it we it would bring up these problems that we're having. Where, like you say, you are clearly a loving husband and wife, but like as parents, you you leave a lot to be desired. Um, mm. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, there yeah. was one other. Random we're just going to leave. We're just going to leave the child in the house with Annabelle constantly. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. But we've yeah. put like a lock on it. That's fine. Yeah, well, because it wasn't. It's the Conjuring Two, isn't it? Where like yeah, she's yeah. getting haunted she, by like the nun painting, isn't she? And, yeah, like... she's getting messed up by that. And you know, this one, Death Flowers, got delivered to the house. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's just. <laughs> I know. I think it's for the best if she just goes live with a family member. To be honest, if you guys yeah. are going to go full like X Files, like literally globe trotting, um, but uh, yeah. One random thing I wanted to bring up, which which made me chuckle, um, was that was the Elvis moment. Um, oh man! Because of course, for anyone who has seen all eight of these movies, will very much know that the high point of the entire franchise is, of course, Patrick Wilson um, singing "I Can't Help Falling in Love with You" in The Conjuring Two. Mm-hmm. And ever since that moment, for the last five years, I've been asking myself, "Will we get more Elvis?" And I really thought it was going to happen in this movie. I really thought and it was going to happen. And listen, I I appreciate this tease. I'm not like angry because they they referenced it. I was like, I was I was content. You know, I thought it was a fun little nod to the moment in Conjuring Two. Mm. The fact that it was another one of my two favorite Elvis songs used here, I was like, oh man, if Patrick could just give us a verse, I'll I'll call yeah. this movie of the year. But sadly, he didn't. Um, and so yeah, it was. But I really did like that back and forth. And that was one of the few moments of humor in the movie that worked pretty well for me. You know. Talking about oh when did you when did you speak to Elvis like before or after he died like I liked mm. those little moments that and... was great yeah and obviously the song was great and like you said I think it it really like it it really just lent into the Super Horror Bros kind of mythology <laughs> with this franchise and and really helped us continue that which I appreciate I 100%. think you know and it just shows that you know the, uh, you know people people who are fans of the Conjuring universe obviously that scene is great in part two. And I think, you know, fans of the franchise will want to see that. And I think, yeah, this little nod and homage and song was a real nice, nice touch. Yeah. But but come on, Patrick, don't be afraid. Mm. Like, give us some more Elvis. We know you got it in you. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but yeah i mean overall thoughts on the movie and then go into the recommendations like where i guess how do you feel about this movie in terms of um, movies we've seen this year not just last week and then also kind of like the the franchise as a whole yeah well i think you know this year obviously has been a real up and down year i haven't Mm. i haven't really even thought about year end other than one particular movie um but i think it's like a um, man. correct um well played um you know uh, all right two movies um <laughs> but but yeah you know i think that's why like i haven't really thought about it and and that's why you know but this will be in my mind when we get to year end this is a you know among one of the best movies we've seen so far it was very good and i think in terms of the conjuring universe um i think it's better than any of the spin-offs and like i said i think it's probably number three in the conjuring movies but i think kind of one and three are very different to each other and and kind of can be enjoyed depending on what you're after and then i just think two is the best movie of them Mm. but but yeah this is still a very good one and considering the fact that this hangs with the original james one movie and 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 does feel right in the the conjuring three movies i think is a real testament to the director and, and also kind of everything that they did and that i think if they'd have done a traditional conjuring movie there would have been too much of a direct comparison and i mm. wonder if it would have fallen more short but because this is so different and still very enjoyable it really does hang as like a trilogy of these three movies yeah i pretty much agree like yeah this is comfortably you know better than all of the spin-offs easily and yeah Mm. i think yeah it's it's clearly not as good as the first two but i still thoroughly enjoyed it and i think in terms of new horror movies i'm very thankful for this movie you know seeing it at the cinema it was super enjoyable it was a great experience um and in terms of movies i've seen this year like it's definitely one of the better ones you know it's not some oh my god you know reinventing the franchise holy shit 10 out of 10 movie but looking at literally all the movies we've seen this year i'm like this is easily top 10 and it's mm. maybe even top five at this point so it's um yeah as far as recommendations go then like yeah i'd recommend it like if you've liked any of the conjuring movies at this point mm. um you, you'll probably know obviously at this point whether or not you're a fan of this sort of stuff and i've been like a big kind of um outspoken against these sorts of films and seeing a lot of them that are terrible um even though obviously i love like the conjuring um but I feel like this is a really good film. I think it's, um, I, I want to give massive credit as well, like what you just said to the director, because, you know, coming off of his last film, which I thought was abysmal, clearly they saw something in him, whether it was James, who I believe did pick him, but even if that's not true and I've just completely made that up, you know, <laughs> someone made that call to give him mm. the gig after that movie, which I thought was a terrible movie, but clearly they saw something in him that I didn't because I would never would have assumed this movie would be as good as it was based upon his previous work. And so I think this mm. is a great example that one bad movie clearly doesn't make one bad director. You know, we're never saying that, but I think this is a really good example to prove that once again, that like, yeah, I didn't vibe with that movie, but I really vibe with this one which is really good so yeah recommend i'd I'd recommend you see this like say if you're gonna if you want to go to the cinema there's only a few more choices anyway um don't see spiral that's for damn sure and obviously see last week's movie but why not see this one as well yeah definitely good times two out of three yeah definitely and like this whole run we've been on like well i think it was six movies in a row wasn't it yeah i'm starting to feel like uh like we're getting spoiled and we're, we're yeah. not getting like as, as amped for these movies, because if we'd have just seen one of these in isolation, like middle of last year, we'd have just mm. like 
been crying but but you know yeah, we're suddenly the, to the point that we're just seeing like multiple incredible things that is a good point because like i said if we if we'd have seen this in like february you know mm. it would have been a different case whereas with this is the sixth movie in a run of six films that we really wanted to see and mm. i've liked them all except one <laughs> mm. you know it was the one i was most excited for unfortunately but what can you do whereas the other five were like varying degrees of at least good to like incredible like last week so it's been really good and like i say we're even though we're not in the cinema next week we've still got great movies to talk about which we'll uh, talk about shortly but um for now yeah that was our discussion of the conjuring the devil made me do it uh we will take a short break and we will be right back So yeah, just to kind of finish us off this week, um, I did watch another movie in the past week. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, their horror films. Um, I know of them, of course, courtesy of our of our favourite distributor. A um, little bit of Arrow Video, um, of and this is yet another one that kind of similar to American Werewolf, where I've just like wanted to see this for a very long time and just finally watched it. Um, which is one that you've talked about on the show as well. Um, Clive Barker's Nightbreed. Which I wasn't prepared for. Um, no, no one is. No, like, what the hell is this film? Um, I don't know. It's it's so unique. I I really haven't seen a film like it. Um, I don't even know where to start talking about it because I really liked it. Um, and I think even though I'm not going to watch it again for a long time, but when I rewatch it, I think I'll be way better prepared to really like it. Yeah. I think be- that's exactly how I feel. I'm like a little mm. bit removed from it now. And I'm like, Oh, I might, I might watch this in a year's <laughs> time and I'm really going to be into it then. Yeah. Because it's, <laughs> it, you know, having seen Hellraiser a lot of times and obviously love it, like you expect certain things. And obviously there is that DNA there and there is, you know, like creature design and a lot of the cast members, but it's so different. Like it's, again, I hate getting into the genre bullshit, but it's almost not really massively a horror film. It's more of like a fantasy epic where Mm. he's building this entire world of characters and mythology. And, you know, you can see that he's only really getting to scratch the surface of all the ideas in his head. Um, Yeah. Of course, it's worth mentioning straight away that, like, the unbelievably crazy story surrounding the different cuts of this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I watched the director's cut um, yeah. on my first viewing. Um, so you kind of, you know, it's nice on the Arrow um, release because you get, like, the five-minute little intro mm-hmm. um, with Clive and the guy who was kind of in charge of this new you know, new cut. And um, I think you talked about it before where it's just bizarre that it was it was the classic like a studio didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Mm. Um, they would try to market it as a completely different movie. It got like multiple editors. It got cut to shit. And by the time it got a release, it, it's interesting because um, the, there's a really good booklet in this, which is one of the best mm. booklets I've seen for an Arrow release because it has kind of two essays. And a lot of these essays I'm not a big fan of in these Arrow booklets, I have to say, um, because mostly they kind of like have their own opinions and I just I, I don't really vibe with them. whereas both of these ones were really good the first one was like an actual breakdown of the movie and the themes which i really liked and the second one was like a complete breakdown of like how this came to you know fruition um which was awesome and um yeah it's it's like it's crazy because the movie came out
came out in the states initially and clive just couldn't talk about it he wasn't allowed to like give his opinion in in interviews and then it came to the uk a year later and he was like essentially his gag order had been lifted and he was just talking so much shit being like yeah they completely butchered it like this is not my movie and all this stuff but um and obviously the story of like how they were able to make this movie obviously we talked about recently like the schneider cut stuff and how fascinating mm-hmm. that is but that all happened very quickly in the space of you know two or three years this took like 20 years for them to get all yeah. this footage and it's just bizarre like i would love to have had the full experience because i, I kind of did a bit of research online before and was like you know what is the best version and, and basically it was like clearly the director's cut is the best version but yeah. if you want to get the full experience watch the theatrical cut first and then watch the director's cut i'm like well i'm not gonna do that like i don't have unlimited time um mm-hmm. but i do think that would have been fascinating because yeah, it would have been yeah, fun yeah like this version is not only 20 minutes longer overall but it has 45 minutes of different footage so like that's a huge amount of difference and Mm. um i would love to have seen it but yeah the movie itself is fascinating like i would i would recommend it especially if you're a fan of him because it's Mm. just so different and it's a shame that um you know the movie got released in such a shit show of a way it's great that this exists and has been restored and is in great condition and and it's happy i'm happy to see that clive has at least a version of the movie out there that he's happy with um even if obviously it didn't pan out the way he wanted to because obviously he wrote the book um cabal mm. and it seemed like that was going to be the start of like a lot of stuff but to my knowledge i don't think he ever followed it up um like i don't know if there's spin-offs or comics uh, or anything like that mm. but like it's such a great story and especially yeah, the way this movie like ends it's a world that, that definitely yeah and it's it's a shame because um i would love to have seen more of it and obviously i would love to read more of it as well like it it is this was one of the few movies that i watched i was like man i bet the book is awesome um and i've not read any of clive's work either so um i would love to but yeah this is a a a fascinating movie like i say i'm really glad i watched it it's one of those ones that kind of you know doesn't get talked about a lot and it's weird because obviously it came out in um 1990 and I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people have that weird stigma, don't they? Of like, yeah. oh, the eighties was the high point, and we have these weird arbitrary cutoffs. Yeah, <laughs> where it's like, yeah. who cares? Oh, that sucks. Yeah, and it's like, well, it was filmed in the eighties. I can think of some good movies that came out in nineteen ninety. Of course, yeah, and, and the and the nineties in general. But um, yeah, it's and it's it's bizarre for Clive as well because he only ever he only ever directed three movies. Mm. Um, obviously, Hellraiser, this, and then he directed a movie in uh, 1995 called lord of illusions um so i really want to see that as well but it is a shame because clearly this was a guy who had like the world at his feet in terms of a horror auteur and obviously made one of the best horror movies ever made in hellraiser and then had such a shit experience with this with people just meddling and not understanding his work and it clearly soured him because you know we would have had other clive movies uh, at this point so it's it is a bummer in that sense but yeah i'm glad this movie um this version exists like the the only thing that is slightly negative about this because the features are awesome they they have Mm. so much they go into the creature design um there's there's so much to talk about this movie like the the artist from star wars made like the backdrops for midian and so that's what looks incredible um danny elfman did the score which was immediately recognizable because as soon as the movie started i was like am i watching a batman movie like it was (laughs) it was really bizarre um 
But the one thing this this is lacking is there is no Clive talking about the film other than the five minute intro. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like there's an hour making of documentary which has all of the cast, which is phenomenal, and obviously it has Doug Bradley in there, which is great. Um, but it doesn't have none of Clive, and also it doesn't have none of David Cronenberg, which he was an absolute delight. Like he plays Doctor Decker in this film, and. I've not seen David Cronenberg act at all um, before, no. and he was phenomenal in this movie. Like, he's so different because he's a real grounded, sinister character, whereas yeah. everyone else in this is, like, so almost theatrical um, in terms of how over-the-top they are, and obviously it's supposed to be because it's all these, like, monsters mm. in this make-believe world. Um, but I loved that juxtaposition between this really sinister, really real-feeling character mixed with these crazy monsters um but i would have yeah, loved to have like, seen him talk about it didn't he? yeah for sure um but i would have loved to have seen obviously him mm. talk about it and then obviously clive because like that intro was so good because you only yeah. just get a very small snippet of clive talking about it and i would love to obviously hear him talk for days but i feel, I feel like it's one of those things though where he just hasn't said a lot about it and he's finally no. got a version people have got a version together that he is happy with and mm. he's like okay thanks guys but it's like you yeah, know, he must just still feel like it's twenty years too late. Oh, of course it is. You know, it definitely so is. so he just probably is like, I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad my fan base gets it, but I just really can't revisit this horrible experience. Yeah, I can't even you know? imagine what that feels mm. like when you've yeah. like you are the guy who you know wrote the book. You get the funded the movie and all that stuff, and they just they just didn't get it it was so they were trying to market it as a slasher one of the brilliant things about these arrow releases obviously they have their new artwork on the front and then they have like the reversible sleeve with the original and the original art is preposterous it's a set of eyes zoomed in which aren't even from anyone in the movie and it the tagline is laurie thought she knew everything about her boyfriend laurie was wrong so they're clearly what? setting it up as like a oh her, her boyfriend's a serial killer or something you know and it's just i might have it's to watch mental. The, the theatrical version of this movie just to see <laughs> yeah. what the hell it is i know i really want to say it. it's crazy because one of my favorite scenes in the whole film i don't know if you remember it was when laurie um sings in the movie she sings um johnny get angry right and and uh, the boyfriend boone goes to like visit her because she's like a singer and uh, okay. um oh, that scene yeah, yeah. is just not in the theatrical version <laughs> it's not. and i was like this is one of the coolest scenes in the whole film yeah it's yeah. It's, it's wild but um Strange. yeah overall i couldn't recommend this enough like, i really liked the movie didn't love it but i think again this is one of yeah. those classic examples of arrow have went above and beyond and this is now like a piece of history and that's why when i talk about these old movies and i talk so much about the production not just the movie because to me it's an education like i got Mm. entertainment from watching the movie but i've also learned so much about the the production and about clive as a filmmaker yeah i just it's it's absolutely fantastic um yeah that's what that's what did it for me like like i said when i first kind of spoke about it was that i I feel like you have to watch it as a horror movie fan because it's mm. this such a weird piece of horror history that you can mm. only really you know absorb if you get that arrow release because it is the definitive way to kind of you know obviously other than than reading essays and essays but you can also do mm. that because they're in the collection yeah <laughs> 
Well, like, and I think the movie's really good as well. Like, mm. it's um because it's, yeah. the creature design is out of this world. There's, like, over yeah. 200 creatures in this movie. And you think, like, how did they have the budgets for this stuff back in the day? Well, like, I know. It's, it's, it's just Psycho Goreman all over again, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's just this this level of filmmaking that is just uh, is so crazy to me. Where I'm like, how would you able... You know, we're talking these entire fantasy worlds. And they, they look... Everything in this movie looks really good. Like, it doesn't look cheaply made mm. at all. So... Yeah, if you're even remotely interested in this, I'd highly recommend it. It's such a fascinating movie, man. Like, it's yeah. one that just never really gets referenced, does it? But I'm, I'm no, really I... glad I saw it. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Have I, you seen um, anything in the last week? I watched a little little Arrow movie that you have spoken about. Oh, yeah? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I watched uh, Dressed to Kill. Right. Um, which, was a, which was a weird one, because obviously you've mm. spoken about it quite recently. Yeah, and uh, you you lent me the Blu-ray, so I gave it a watch, and kind of I um, found this movie mostly a chore. I think um, I enjoyed the kind of elevator scene that was good, and I think kind of it has its moments, but um, overall, it was just kind of way too long, and kind of obviously, you know, having kind of hearing you talk about it quite a bit i knew some things that were in it and so i Mm. kind of was waiting for certain parts and kind of you know i enjoyed the you know i think it was you know interesting the homage to psycho and everything else i think kind of um it's so weird that michael Caine is in this movie (laughs) um and and you know they're my and and you know definitely the elevator scene was was pretty cool but but after that i think kind of the 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 kind of kid who's like this weird kind of nerdy kid that can set up crazy oh, yeah, uh, yeah. pictures and stuff. Like he's just very annoying and kind of, you know, just throughout it all. And then kind of, um, you know, ultimately there's just very little actual kind of, um, uh, you know, it's very similar to Psycho where there's very little kind of scenes of, you know, not even just like murders, but just like real suspense. Mm. There's just like a lot of characters thinking that they're in trouble and they're, they're not really. And, um, you know, and then it get then like, I suddenly realized I was like an hour and 20 into this and I was like, Jesus Christ, like, when are we going to get some like actual, like, you know, uh, what, what's her name? Is it Nancy Allen? Yeah. Nancy, kind Nancy of, Allen, yeah. 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 Like when, when's she actually going to have some shit happen to her because she's just getting <laughs> freaked out by shadows right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it was, it was a real strange movie. I really, like I said, I think the build up to the elevator scene, I enjoyed. I enjoyed that from there, but the movie really didn't pick up again after that for me, mm. um, because I enjoyed like our lead character and kind of her kind of having this kind of, you know, you can tell she's having these weird feelings, and then she kind of goes off with this mystery man. And you're like, well, she's dead, and then like that isn't the problem. And yeah, I think all of that stuff was quite good, but um, but yeah, it, it ended up being a bit of a chore for me this one. Yeah, I was surprised you wanted to see it, really, because I, I didn't think it'd be your top of tea. Like, it's a it's a very weird movie, because when it came out, it was in the kind of height of, like, slasher culture. Mm. And it was, it's not that at all. Like, it's extremely yeah, it's really arty. X. It's yeah. really X, and it's really not. He talks right. about that on the um on the extras as well. Like he's right. another one of these directors, De Palma, where he's saying like, "Man, we had to like cut so much to get a, to get a good rating," and he was like swearing at the ratings board. Really? Um, so he's again another one of these directors, and I think it was again like he had directed Carrie at that point. So ah. it's like once you're on their radar, mm. you're going to be on their shit list until the end of time, no matter what you do. And that's like what you've said before. Like these people just get on the wrong side of these these shitty ratings mm. boards, and they're always going to struggle. Um, 
but yeah I, I don't love the movie but i did like it quite a bit and it's, i'm really just fascinated with the palmer as a director like i wanted they, i've been looking up a lot of his movies recently and it's just there's so many people because i've been on like a, now having seen cronenberg and nightbreed i really want to watch um scanners and videodrome um mm. because i've not seen either of those before like david cronenberg's a really weird director to me because i love yeah, the fly um but i had a weird i i, I watched the crash um not uh, just crash and i hated it so much and i <laughs> I, I, I was like i hate this dude because i hated crash so much <laughs> and and then like watching the fly and I've, I've seen obviously clips from scanners and videodrome and uh, the dead zone and they all look like great films obviously because they're, they're covered in the uh, the 80s doc uh, documentary mm. um so i'm sure i do like him as a director he just made one movie that pissed me off so much that i almost had this vendetta against him and i really want to especially when i was like oh he was a great actor in nightbreed i don't hate this guy so i um <laughs> i really want to check them out as well and then i'm like i want to see more of De palmer's films and like yeah there's just there's too many films isn't it like yeah films. well it's interesting because like those people they you know we haven't seen a lot of their movies like i haven't seen many of cronenberg's movies and it's mm. like you know he is like a horror you know a horror icon yeah and like we haven't really seen that much i've seen shivers yeah and i've seen rabid the original rabid. As well. yeah. yeah i've seen rabid um because i would recommend you watch rabid I know, yeah. I know obviously we watched the remake but they are very different movies and i think mm. the original is really good yeah um yeah i do want to i'll definitely get to that but it was scanners yeah. and videodrome looking at yeah. all of his movies they were the two that really stood out to me like oh they they seem a bit like they live and kind of got like mm. sci-fi elements i feel like i've really vibe with them so i'm yeah uh, but I, like i say i want to get to all of them there's just there's so many old movies from all these directors where mm. that's why i love the uh the wes craven stuff because it's kind of like forcing me to watch these yeah. films that i've never seen before and you know there's like like psycho is one of my all-time favorite movies i've barely seen any of hitchcock's movies <laughs> like mm. i've not seen vertigo or the birds like it's 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 embarrassing when i say it out loud but it's just like mm. there's too many films to see all of these films um but i'm, I'm working my way from i'm too busy watching nightbreed you know and, mm -hmm. and microwave massacre every other week yeah but the problem um, is as well is like I i'm pretty sure scanners doesn't really have like a uk blu-ray right yeah, yeah that's the hardest thing yeah yeah and it's like well then if i got to go into like because even if it's like I, at this point i'm just like well if it's not arrow i'm really like way less interested <laughs> yeah but then like there I'll are take like -ray, as long yeah, as it's there are, like, i'm not watching non-hd yeah there are like the second sites and those sorts of things that are awesome and do incredible work and i'm like okay that's awesome and then suddenly then you get to like a regular blu-ray which has just got like no upscaling or anything and it's like mm. these movies you know, we can see what these seventies and eighties movies look like with the with the restorations that Second Sight and Arrow do, and I'm just like, oh man, like I can't just watch like a Blu-ray version of these old movies, and then and then we get to the point that we can't even get a Blu-ray version. <laughs> yeah, well, and we're completely spoiled as well because yeah. like, like even with Nightbreed, like I didn't even talk about the restoration, but it's like I'm watching a version of the movie that five years ago didn't even exist and mm. now they've got all this old film like actual film and managed to transfer it and rest and restore it and then edit it into a different version of the movie which i'm now watching in 2021 for that and that's my first fresh experience of nightbreed like mm. and that that definitely wasn't the version that people paid to see in 1990 so it's yeah it's bizarre like i say we are so lucky to have mm. obviously arrow and second sight and eureka and all of these amazing companies like long may it continue because i just i wouldn't i wouldn't feel as um 
enthused and excited to go back and watch all these old films if no, it wasn't for these companies um because like you say the idea of watching you know, I, I get that there's a certain era of people that love video and, and I get the whole video collecting thing. But like, do people really watch those? I, I'm sure I'm triggering so many people right now, <laughs> but like I, I, could, I couldn't do it. I respect it. You know, like I would love to have those classics. And I did growing up like the Friday the 13th on video and that, but I'd never mm. watch those videotapes now. Like it would be unwatchable to me. I'm such like a, a whore for quality and yeah, I, I need I, that quality. I recently tried to make you watch some videotapes and you flat out refused. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. Like I'm like, <laughs> I don't have a tape deck set up. Like I have a I have a PlayStation 5 that plays 4K Blu-rays. I, like I that's how I want to watch stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I and I refused. <laughs> yeah. You turned you turned it away. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not I'm not doing that shit. Um <laughs> But because I, I I am gonna be getting the saw the saw um 4K soon, and so I feel like that's nice. gonna elevate it again. Where like once I start watching stuff in 4K, like will I will I get to the point where I'm like, oh, this is just Blu-ray, or like will it be you know negligible? Yeah, like it's getting we'll it's getting rough. I've already seen that there's like a Quiet Place <laughs> two 4K coming out. Yeah, I saw that and, as well. Yeah. And uh, there is a Quiet Place one 4K as well. And I'm nice. Like, oh man, I might have to pick both of those up. Yeah, they're just going to keep getting us, aren't they, mugs like us? They're just going to yeah. always do these small little improvements, and then suddenly I've got to buy all my favorite movies again. But that's just that's just the way of the world. Um, yeah. But yeah, fun little discussion on Blu-rays. Obviously, um, in the coming weeks, we are seemingly away from the cinema. Who knows? We'll keep checking. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny because nobody gets a UK release this week, and had I not already seen it, we probably would have went to see it. Um, but yeah, I've already talked yeah, about that. I'm so, um, I'm so, I'm so pleased <laughs> you did the hard work, so I don't have to. For this yeah, one. not not a terrible movie, but we. Sh- I mean, it's barely a horror. It's not even a horror movie. Um, and but we obviously can finally watch Army of the Dead. You know, I remember know. that film that came out this year? Oh, I know. I'm ready. <laughs> yes all all two and a half hours of it so start watching it now um and there is other releases so the amusement uh, the amusement park obviously george a romero's like discovered movie talk about these weird parts of film history this is a george romero movie that has only just now been unearthed and you know restored and is on shudder this week um so and even though that again might not specifically be a horror movie i don't know if there's enough to talk about on an entire show but i'm desperate to see what the hell this is all about Mm. um so really want to watch that and then we also discovered something pretty crazy in the last week um (laughs) about apparently they made a sequel to one of our favorite movies we've covered for the podcast and i had no idea where why was none of the horror sites that i frequent even Mm. remotely talking about this um which is one cut of the dead they kind of released a is it called hollywood edition hollywood edition yeah and so that comes with the original movie and then supposedly a new film called One Cut of the Dead in Hollywood, I believe. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to lie to you, right? I mm. have the Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, is it I'm is it gonna... more clear? Because I was reading about no, it and I couldn't no. even tell if it was a new film or not. No, I have no idea because on the back I have you have kind of two blurbs and it, the first right. blurb That's is about One Cut of the Dead and then the second one is about the spin-off film. Right. But then there is no real like because the, I mean, oh, maybe this one's better. No, the printing is dreadful. <laughs> right. So when when you get into like the small print, I can't read anything where it talks about like runtime of the second movie. Oh, it's just oh, talking about the first movie. Right. And so it's so weird. But then, oh wait, it's got a reversible sleeve that's like a Hollywood version. All right. It's very strange. Mm. It's it's oh, it's fifty seven minutes long. 
Yeah. There you go. So I yeah, think that's oh, what I saw, yeah. Oh, that's quite clever actually. Yeah. So so it's it's a reverse sleeve. Um and yeah, the one sleeve is more focused on one cut of the dead and the other one is Hollywood. So, right. Yeah, it's a fi- 57 minute movie and yeah. um yeah, but it's very strange because yeah, I I literally don't know what features are on this um this Blu-ray. Mm. So I'm like, do we get the sick features that are on the other Blu-ray? Uh, yeah, I, I, the, oh, I'm just having a look now. Is there even, is there even one cut in this movie? I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Like. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's a, such a weird release. Like the, yeah. the release itself, to... and then the fact that this, this, this Blu-ray is just very confusing to me. Yeah, we're gonna have to talk about this in the coming weeks because I am yeah. completely fascinated by this. And because yeah, it seems like it's the same director and the same cast. So yeah, we, <laughs> we will definitely be covering this movie because <laughs> <laughs> i just randomly saw a tweet about it and i was like what the hell is this um yeah like even arrow weren't pushing it no because it's like it's one of their other companies isn't it yeah, that they own, yeah I third, third window i think oh, yeah just put it, oh yeah 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 third window i just put the blu-ray down yeah so similar to kind of the first one that came out but yeah, yeah. it's bizarre but yeah we'll, we'll th- that's the great news like we even though we're not gonna be in the cinema it seems like until july and then in july there's four movies coming out horror films um Crazy. so a hell of a lot to talk about but even in the coming weeks yeah but next up we we promised it was going to happen army of the dead next week looking forward to it on netflix i'm sure everyone's probably seen it by now which would be good because you can let us know what you thought of it and then we'll talk mm-hmm. about it next week um because we are late to the party on this one true um, i'm really excited for it though because i i, I really feel like it's gonna be the the dumb fun that i need like mm. the the dumber the better yeah. i really i really don't want this movie to be at all serious and, oh no um, it's got batista in it i'm confident yeah me too me too <laughs> but yeah we'll get to talk about that next week um but this I have was one I have one nope. question before you finish because I think it's an important question. Go on. Uh, obviously, with the Conjuring, we were mm. unsure whether we were going to get an Elvis appearance. Right. Uh, this is a Zack Snyder zombie movie. Mm. Do we or do we not get a Richard Cheese appearance? Oof, that's a difficult question. You know. I I know. I know. I like to ask the heavy hitting questions just before because we sign off. It's a big movie. Um, big yeah. big Netflix budget, and a lot of the times when we watch these Netflix budgeted movies like the babysitter, for example, they have a hilarious amount of copyrighted licensed music. Because oh, this they... movie's going to. Yeah. Because it's going to be like, you know, the start of suicide squad that had like mm. 10 licensed songs in five minutes. It's going to be that outrageous. So if there isn't Richard cheese, considering there's probably going to be about 40 licensed stuff. I mean, he has to, but I don't want to set myself up for disappointment. So I'm not going to expect the Richard cheese, but if it's there, I'm all, I'm down. I'm, I'm saying yes to the cheese. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying it's happening. Zack Snyder knows what he's doing. Making yeah. a zombie movie. He 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 knows what that song did in the in Dawn of the Dead. So he 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 knows he knows. There's so many like it has to be people equal shit as well. That has to be the song he uses. There's just there's no. So many... It's gonna be something new. <laughs> Are you gonna, reckon? Gonna, yeah, like a, pop, like a pop cover. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like an or an Elvis song or. <laughs> like oh like viva las vegas or something like that like it's yeah that be... seems oh that's it's gotta be in it hasn't it <laughs> <laughs> well that, that song's definitely in it but i can't like right we need let's keep it for next reviews. week let's keep it for next week <laughs> this this was episode 251 where we discussed the conjuring free uh etc um thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone and through my veins and travels to my
Cause I never could, how could I start that? 